0: This is a podcast about Jeopardy!
1: Hello and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy! podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy! episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes, and a quiz. I'm Emily.
0: And I'm Kyle. And this is the week of July 12th, 2021. Uh, This is... The week with George Stephanopoulos as host. Uh, s- next week we'll have Robin Roberts. The week after that we will have LeVar Burton. And then the week after that we'll have David Faber, who I was not aware was on the list. Uh, that, that, to my understanding, will round out the uh, guest hosts. Getting all the way into August. So, uh, Yeah, I thought he did a good job. I, I thought he did fine. Yeah. I was he. It was good. I don't think he's in like the running, in my opinion. But my yeah. opinion doesn't really matter much.
1: I mean, it matters to me, but Th- probably not to the producers.
0: <laughs> not to the decision makers. Normally, yeah. I've I've come to realize. So anyway, yeah. On Monday, we had the contestants Tim Moon, an attorney originally from Syracuse, New York. Jacqueline Shuntzel, a stay-at-home mom from Redmond, Washington, and Jen Jeswinski, an early literacy librarian from Algonquin, Illinois, whose two-day cash winnings last week were $59,201. And with the Jeopardy! round, categories are An Illustrated Life, Land of Nicknames, Pharmaceuticals, Cold Words, S is for summer, S in quotation marks and gamer's delight presented by JD Witherspoon who is introduced as a gamer and YouTube star but I imagine most of us remember him from the short lived Yeah, Facebook knockoff of HQ that actually ended up paying a lot better. Mm-hmm. Confetti.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. But then they um, shut it down so mad. Yeah. Yeah. Confetti was a
1: was a good cash cow for a while yes
0: there totally uh, yeah weapons. some yeah. some jeopardy folks made some real money <laughs> off mm. of confetti
1: <laughs> i think some people made a lot more than they made on jeopardy
0: some you know they yeah they they very well may have uh yeah. anyway it was presented by jd witherspoon it was nice to see him again glad he's still around yep
1: yeah. it was it was funny to hear him introduce as a gamer and YouTube star though I'm like that's yeah. not how I know that guy
0: right exactly yeah we had Emily's a reference to one of the things that brings Emily the most joy in the cold words at the 800 dollar level a poem by William Carlos Williams begins I have eaten the plums that were in this not the refrigerator it was 1934. that's the ice box the ice
1: box. I oh man all right so now I'm gonna have to be mad
0: um... about
1: William Carlos Williams all day. Um, I go back and forth on whether whether William Carlos Williams is the narrator in the poem or whether you know whether this is um, you know whether whether he has enough distance Mm -hmm. you know to uh, to understand that the narrator is a jerk or maybe he is the narrator and also he knows he's a jerk but you know. They were delicious. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
0: They were delicious, um, which excuses my behavior.
1: Forgive me, they were delicious is not an apology. Well, not it, with that yeah. attitude. <laughs> um, they had a, like a nice uh, set of uh, graphic novel biographies, autobiographies, memoirs in the illustrated life category. And I've hardly read any of them. The only one I, uh, I mean, I was able to get a number of them correct based on the descriptions of the people. But the only one where I I was familiar with the graphic memoir was The Thousand Dollar Clue, Uh, Alison Bechdel's graphic memoir about growing up in a mortuary. It was the basis for a Tony winning musical. Um, And that's Fun Home. Both the graphic memoir and the musical are excellent. Cool. Cool yeah the songs from the musical have been coming up a fair bit in trivia settings. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I'll have to check it out.
1: Yeah, that cast recording is worth listening to if you haven't. Dilly Double number one is at the $800 level of land of nicknames. It's the 25th pick and Tim finds it. He's at 5400 in the lead. Jen has 3400. Jacqueline has 1600. He wagers sixteen hundred and gets the clue: the land of Genghis Khan. And he correctly responds, "What is Mongolia?" Uh-huh. Yeah, it's got it's got Mongols right in the name there. If you think yes.
0: about it, yes, that's yeah. pretty good mnemonic right there. Uh huh. <laughs> Does yeah. that mean count as a mnemonic? It's just like what it is.
1: Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean. But but like you might not necessarily make the connection, right? Like. Between yeah. the Mongols and Mongolia.
0: Yeah, um, that's fair. I mean, I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday, and he was like, I was 32 years old when I realized that Rhode Island is called Rhode Island because it has an island. We all have those things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Rhode Island? How did it get its name? Oh, it's from the Dutch for red. In reference to the red clay that lined the shore.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Uh, at the end of the Jeopardy round, Tim is at 8,800, Jen is at 4,800, Jacqueline's at 1,600. And we have the double Jeopardy categories, the Secretary of State in brief, French literature, Buddhism, Logomania, old TV theme songs, and Z in the middle. Each correct response has a Z exactly in the middle of the word.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we we got in the old TV theme songs... At the two thousand dollar level, uh, through early morning fog, I see begin this this song's lyrics heard in the nineteen seventy movie mash, but not in the TV show's theme. Uh, that song is "Suicide Is Painless." That has always uh, struck me. It's a, it's a very, like especially especially considering like the show, the TV show is just like a I don't want to say you know lighthearted, but it's a comedy, you know, and often mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous in in its presentation. But yeah, the theme song from the movie is is not that,
1: <laughs> yeah, at all. I have not seen the movie, and very little of the TV show.
0: Hmm. Uh, daily double number two is pretty late. Both both daily doubles are pretty late. Uh, the second one is pick number twenty. It's in the Buddhism category at the sixteen hundred dollar level. Tim finds this one too. Uh, he is up at sixteen thousand four hundred. He went on a tear. At the kind of midpoint of the round, he really took off. Jen is at 9,600, Jacqueline's at 4,800, uh, and he wagers 2,600. And the clue is the plant called the sacred or Indian this is a symbol of the true nature of beings and of Buddha's throne. He gets that right with What is the Lotus?
1: And Daily Double number three comes up. Five clues later, uh, at the sixteen hundred dollar level of the Secretary of State in Brief, um, the twenty-fifth pick that is, and Tim finds this one as well. He is at twenty thousand two hundred at this point, to Jen's ninety-six hundred and Jacqueline's six thousand, and he wagers just two thousand this time, and gets the clue. He was born in Firth, Germany. And uh, he correctly responds, who is Kissinger. Um.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought that uh, Secretary of State category was rather easy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it ran a little easy, I thought.
0: So at the end of the Double Jeopardy round, Tim is up at 22,200, which is not a lock game. It's a great score, not a lock game, though, because Jen is at 13,600, and Jacqueline's at 6,000. He, he got all three Daily Doubles, and I, I mean... I don't want to, like, criticize strategy or anything, but he could have locked this game pretty easily with those daily doubles. I realized they were at $1,600 levels, so maybe, you know, maybe you're a little gun-shy to go big there, but, uh, yeah. The final Jeopardy category is College Life, and the clue, this dish associated with Harvard, wherever that is, goes back to the start (laughs) of the school. The wife of the first headmaster made an awful version. Jacqueline guessed what is figgy pudding, which is not terribly far off, not at far least off in yet. the name, uh, but that's incorrect and she wagered all six, thousand. Jen got what is hasty pudding? And that is correct, which is something that you know us uh, us Westerners out here, uh, I don't know if anybody knows about. I've never heard of it. but it's correct. Uh, and she wagered everything, thirteen thousand six hundred. Which is a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it gets her up there. Uh, But Tim also got it correct with what is hasty pudding, and he wagered 6,000, which uh, was a little bit more than a cover bet. But uh, that makes him the winner.
1: Yep. The Jeopardy fan notes that... uh, Harvard's first headmaster was fired over accusations that his wife made a hasty pudding that was so awful that it was laced with goat dung. Um, And he says the dish later gave its name to one of the main Harvard social clubs, the hasty pudding club. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying the hasty pudding is not a social club, but whereas the other social clubs are really mostly like, you know, their main activities are throwing parties. The hasty pudding like puts on uh, like a, big original show twice a year.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. And does their like man of the year and woman of the year a- awards which go to, you know, kind of uh, they they go to like performing arts celebrities like actors and stuff. Interesting. So yeah, I'm not sure I would characterize it as only a social club. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, no they they are they do characterize themselves as a social club. The oldest social club in the United States. Okay. Distinguished membership including 5 US presidents. Oh, Hasty Pudding Theatricals is the is the group Um. I'm thinking of when I think of Hasty Pudding. Uh, So on Tuesday, we have the contestants Alex Lamb, a data scientist from Lake Forest, California. Lauren Fisk, a teacher originally from San Antonio, Texas. And Tim Moon, an attorney originally from Syracuse, New York, whose one day cash winnings total $28,200. And we have the Jeopardy round categories. Old Jobs, Everything is a Psalm, spelled A-S-S-A-M. But clearly a reference to, like, the Lego movie song, right? I would think Um, so.
0: Everything is awesome.
1: Everything is awesome, yeah. E-books, E in quotation marks, two-letter words, You Can't, Tuna Fish. Uh, Tuna Fish turned out to be about songs with sea creatures in Mm. them. Yeah, the four hundred dollar level of e-books would have been familiar to you, I think, Kyle. The clue there was: there's a direction and a paradise in this double e Steinbeck title. Uh, Lauren got that one. It's East of Eden. Yes. Yes.
0: Still haven't read it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that was a that was a final Jeopardy uh, response in one of Kyle's games. Yes, it um, was. although the clue was harder because it was a final Jeopardy clue instead of a you know a four hundred dollar. Right. jeopardy round clue
0: uh, daily double number one is pretty early in the round it's in the ebooks category down at the bottom at the thousand dollar level it's pick number five Tim finds it so he has now found four daily doubles in a row he is at 800 Lauren's at 400 Alex is at zero he wagers the maximum of a thousand and the clue is the title heroine of this 1816 novel wrongly believes herself to be a gifted matchmaker and he gets that correct with what is Emma
1: yeah I have a, I read Emma way back. I don't remember a lot about it. E, the E in quotation marks will pretty really? much get you there, I yeah. think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to yeah, title title character starting with an E. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: 1816.
0: Yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Tim is in the lead at 7000, Lauren's at 2400 and Alex is at 4200. And we have the double Jeopardy categories 2011, 10 years ago. That is, that is... That is aggressive.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure what 2011 and 10 years ago have to do with each other, but I'm pretty sure that 2011 was not 10 years ago, so... No, At, <laughs> no it was. I know it was.
0: Yeah. Let's Go to the Beach, Sun and Moon, Over Budget, Fictional Books, and Double Double Letters. Hmm. Which, those are fun words.
1: Yeah. I liked the fictional books category. Which reminded me of, like, I think there was like a TikTok trend about like name your favorite fictional song or something. And everyone was, uh, everyone was misinterpreting the prompt (laughs) and, you know, naming things like, you know, like, uh, oh, I really like that song from, you know, from Beauty and the Beast or whatever, like songs that were in fictional works. Yeah. But the songs exist. They're not fictional songs. They're real songs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, fictional books interpreted the prompt correctly in that these were uh, the titles of books that do not exist in our universe that appeared in a fictional universe. Right. So like uh, they asked for who is the Sarah Jessica Parker character who wrote the books Manhattan and A Single Life. Uh, that's Carrie Bradshaw. And The fictional books are are those, you know, the works that Carrie Bradshaw has written that like don't actually exist. Yeah, you can't um,
0: go find those books.
1: Yeah. All right, daily double number two uh, is the ninth pick. It's at the sixteen hundred dollar level of Sun and Moon, and Alex finds this one, breaking Tim's streak. He's at ten thousand six hundred at this point, to Tim's sixty six hundred and Lauren's four thousand, and he wagers. 4, 000, and gets the clue, this Greek scholar with an Egyptian dynastic name devised his theory of the sun revolving around the earth around 150 AD. And he correctly responds, who is Ptolemy? Mm-hmm. And uh, he went up a little bit from there, but kind of flatlined through the second half of Double Jeopardy.
0: Yeah. And right about that point maybe a little after Tim finds uh, daily double number three. It is in the 2011, 10 years ago category at the $1,200 level. Uh, and this, this is mind blowing. Tim is at 11,400. Uh, Alex is up at 21,000 and Lauren's at 6,000. He goes for it. He wagers 10,000, which I really like to see. And he gets the clue. Zuccotti park in New York city's financial district was the birthplace of this movement against e- economic inequality and he gets that right with occupy wall street Mm -hmm. that cannot be 10 years ago
1: i know it's so wild right so at the end of the jeopardy round tim has been able to uh to keep the lead that he took Uh, With that third daily double, he's at 26,200. Alex is at 22,200. Lauren's at 8,000. And we have the final Jeopardy category inventors and inventions. And the clue in 1899, James Atkinson patented his new and improved one of these, including its spring powered snapping action. Uh, Lauren has figured it out. And correctly responds, what is a mouse trap? She's wagered eight thousand. Uh, that brings her up to sixteen thousand. In order to win in this situation, she's going to need Alex and Tim to have incorrect responses, and she's going to need Alex to make a wagering error. Alex has what is a cl- what? <laughs> Alex has what clothespin? Uh, what is a clothespin? And he has wagered every single dollar, which is the strategically incorrect move, uh, in yep. this situation. Mm-hmm. Because Tim has to make a big wager in case Alex does this. We know that Tim is a very strategic player. We've seen him, you know, we've seen him wager. He he knows sort of how to handle the different situations. He predictably is going to make a big wager. And so from From a strong second place, the right thing to do here would be to wager very little. Mm -hmm. But Alex has wagered everything. He drops to zero. But Tim does have the correct response. What is a mousetrap? And has wagered 18,201, which is a cover bet. And uh, so that brings him up to 44,401. I was, I was cheering for Lauren for a second cause she went all in and I was like, I guess that's the right move because the only way you're going to win is if somebody makes a wagering, wagering error, you mm-hmm. know, yep. and then, and then it happened, right? Like that's, that's the reason you yeah. would do that, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, but not to come down too hard on Alex, you know, a lot of things have to come together for somebody to, to win from third place and, and, uh. I was I was rooting for Lauren as kind of the underdog for a second. Uh, but yeah. anyway, Tim gets a huge payday. Yep, indeed. Yeah. And uh, he's our champion going into Wednesday.
0: And on Wednesday, we have the contestants Angela Jeleno, a project manager consultant from Franklin, Massachusetts. Tyler Vandenberg, a marine officer from Washington, D.C. And Tim Moon, an attorney originally from Syracuse, New York, who's two days... Cash winnings is seventy two thousand six hundred one dollars. Massive. We have the Jeopardy round categories: odd history, cookbooks, TV shows by siblings, uh, a couple other categories, and then Super Genius. Um, <laughs> those those two categories that I skipped. One is while e with an e in quotation marks and coyote. Mhm.
1: Yeah. The the e. Is is separate from the while. Um,
0: I do want to point out that is also an acceptable way to answer that final Jeopardy. Mm. If it if it written it like that, would also be acceptable.
1: It's true. Yeah, listeners of the podcast will probably know at this point that Wily Coyote was the correct Jeopardy response in the Jeopardy game that Kyle and I played against each other. And I feel like this is conclusive proof that the writers definitely listen to the podcast.
0: Definitely. It, this has got to be a shout out.
1: Nothing else. To, yeah. No other explanation is possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The Jeopardy writers love John Nash. They do. Super genius at the thousand dollar level. Non-cooperative games. The doctoral thesis from his beautiful mind made the Annals of Mathematics in 1951. That's John Nash. Mm-hmm. Learn a little bit about John Nash, know that he is the beautiful mind and game theory and all that. And Yeah. And if they ask about a mathematician in the 20th century, start there.
1: Yeah. I feel like this was kind of a lot of a lot of clues for mm-hmm. the thousand dollar level. Yeah. Like they they made it pretty easy. Daily double number one is at the four hundred dollar level of odd history. It's the 17th pick and Tyler finds it. He has 1200 at this point to Tim's 4,400 and Angela's 2,600. He makes it a true daily double as well. He should and gets the clue. The great emu war of 1932 proved disastrous for this country's army. The big birds were no chickens. Uh, And he correctly responds. What is Australia?
0: Yeah. I kind of wish he'd gotten it wrong. So I could have done a deep dive on the emu war. Mm, Yes. (laughs) It's just just a funny, not entirely funny, but curious moment in history.
1: Yeah. Um, Plus, I know almost nothing about it. But I guess somebody will miss something about that eventually, right?
0: Yeah. It's the only way we can learn things, so.
1: that's the only way I learn things.
0: Yeah. That's understandable.
1: So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Tim is in the lead at 6,000. Tyler's at 5,200, Angela's at 4,200, and we have the Double Jeopardy round categories, Canadian Provinces and Territories, Female Literary Protagonists, Music, in the classical sense, Eponymous Legislation, Mr., Miss, or Mrs. Movies, and Double Double Rhymers. Uh And that Double Double Rhymers category, that was a wordplay category where you needed to come up with Two separate words, each of which had two rhyming syllables and the two words, you know, and the, 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 the rhyme was the same for both words, um, such as at the $1,600 level, a non-lethal weapon that fires an electric charge and a 5K engaged in for pleasure. Those are a stun gun and a fun run. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought that was kind of a fun category.
0: Yeah. And they were kind of tongue twisters in a way Mm -hmm. to make sure you get them in the right order of what you're trying to say.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, The Volstead Act came up at the $2,000 level of eponymous legislation. Uh, That was a triple stumper in Kyle's and my game. So now we know it forever.
0: Yes, we do. (laughs) Every time (laughs) I see that, I'm like, damn it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, Mm -hmm. it is. Yes, it is burned into my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daily double number two is pretty early. It's pick number four. Uh, it's in the Canadian provinces and territories category at the sixteen hundred dollar level. Tyler finds it, and he, from basically the jump uh, of this round, just took off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's at six thousand four hundred at this point. He's already picked up some some of the distance. Uh, Tim is at seven thousand two hundred. Angel is at four thousand two hundred, and he bets it all. He gets the clue, in 2003, it dropped the words the and territory from its name. And he correctly responds, what is the Yukon? Mm -hmm. And then he gets the next clue correct, and the next clue correct, and the next clue correct, and then number eight, and then number nine, uh, and then number ten is a triple stumper. Mm -hmm. But then he gets eleven before Tim is able to get in it. 12th clue.
1: Yeah. Uh it was it, it's a mind-blowing run. Um mm-hmm. and then at the 19th pick he finds daily double number 3. At this point he's up at 21,600 to Tim's 11,600 and Angela's 5,000. And this time he wagers just 2,000 mm-hmm. and uh gets the clue, Shakespeare wrote that the sails of her barge were so perfumed that the winds were lovesick with them. And he tries who is Portia, but the correct response there is Cleopatra.
0: Mm-hmm. So he drops a little bit. At the end of the round, he is still firmly in the lead at 22,000. Tim is at 12,800 and Angela's at 9,800, which are all, you know, those are good scores. It's, it's mm-hmm. still up in the air. They get the category animation. And the clue, these characters first seen on screen in a 1938 film are known in Spain as Juanito, Jorjito, and Jaimito. I don't know if I would have gotten here because I would have directly translated the names. I would have been like, who's Johnny, Georgie, and Jamie? Yeah. I don't know who those are. What am I supposed to do with that? But Angela got it correct with who are Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And she wagered 9,000. So she moves up to 18800 Tim was not able to get there. He did not really offer a response. Uh, and he wagered 12797 So he drops down to $3. And Tyler got it correct with who are Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And he wagered $8,000. So he goes up to a nice even $30,000.
1: And on Thursday, we have the contestants Andre Golovchenko, a human resources specialist from Damascus, Oregon, Judith Pond, an attorney originally from the Bronx, New York, and Tyler Vandenberg, a Marine officer from Washington, D.C., whose one-day cash winnings total $30,000. And we have the Jeopardy round categories, School of Rock, What's That Literary Initial, Law Law, Double That T, each response is two words, uh, one with a single T and one with a double, It's Light Out. And away we go. The and away we go category at 400. Um, a visit to this New Jersey capital will include a look at the Douglas house site of a council of war held by Washington in 1777. Um, Tyler tried what is Princeton. Um, and Judith got the rebound with Trenton. A good number of the states like the capital is not known for a lot other than being the capital, you know. Yeah. And so it's important to kind of get that all sorted out yep. because state capitals come up a lot.
0: Yep. Just you just got to memorize the list. Yeah. Daily double number 1 is at pick number 10. It's in the it's lights out category at the $800 level. Andre finds it. He's at 4800, a good lead over Tyler's 800 and Judith's -200. Anyway, just 1500. Gets a clue. Hypnos was the Greek god of sleep. He was Hypnos's son who brought men their dreams, and maybe a way out of the Matrix as well. Andre makes the, like, oh, the mistake, the classic mix-up between these two. He says, who is Orpheus? hmm But it is Morpheus. Yes. Orpheus, of course, is the uh, mythical musician. Who is tricked into looking back for Eurydice as they leave the underworld.
1: That's right. Is Orpheus Morpheus' son in mythology or only in Neil Gaiman's Sandman series?
0: Is it in, in the Sandman series, is Orpheus actually Morpheus' son? Yes. Uh, I have I have not come across that anywhere else. I Okay. I don't believe that Orpheus is divine mm. in any way in yeah. in the mythology originally but i mean percy jackson is uh uh, the Poseidon's son so there we go who knows could be anything yeah i mean it could be that could be in the stories i've i've never come across it um but i am by no means a expert in mythology
1: oh yeah it looks like it's original to neil gaiman um and on the wikipedia page for orpheus gaiman's orpheus is the son of oneros the dream lord morpheus and the muse calliope Um, Mm. So, yeah, I think that's that is Neil Gaiman's fabrication, not something that he got from legend of any kind.
0: So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Tyler is uh, he's he's back in it. He's in the lead at six thousand. Judith is out of the hole at four hundred and Andre is at forty five hundred. And the double Jeopardy categories are Thomas Payne, Back from the Dead in the Bible, Time for Science, Architects. Broadway Musicals by Setting and ologies.
1: They got that $400 level of Broadway Musicals by Setting, which was The Land of Oz before and after Dorothy dropped in. Tyler got that one. It's Wicked. I thought that was it seems obvious if Wicked is the only musical set in Oz you're familiar with, but there are others, right? Um,
0: sure. Uh,
1: I don't know The Wiz that well.
0: I, I don't think it gets to Oz before Dorothy does.
1: Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think it does either. It's just... And has The Wizard of Oz been done on Broadway? Um, I know that there exists... There exists staged productions of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah, the The Wizard of Oz itself has played on Broadway. Although, like, you know, that one we see... Oz only like as Dorothy has arrived, right? Um, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I just y- you have you have to know kind of which is which. I feel like that there, there are there's more neg bait than maybe you would want at a four hundred dollar level clue. Sure. Sure. Um, I felt for Tyler at the uh, two thousand dollar level of ologies. Um, the clue was from the Greek for death. It's the study of death and dying, and he did some, you know, some some great like remembering his classical roots,
0: mm-hmm.
1: classical root words, and said, "What is mortology?" Which is a great guess, um, but mort is from Latin. Yes, uh, yes. The Greek for death is thanatos, so thanatology is what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know, good on good on Tyler for trying to kind of piece it together. Yeah. Uh, daily double number two is the sixth pick. It's at the $800 level of architects. Tyler finds this one. He's at 10,000 to Judas 400 and Andre's 2100. And he wagers 3000 and gets the clue. Here is the architect outside his famous pyramid. Um, uh, we have a picture and, uh, you know, an iconic glass pyramid. Uh, and he recognizes that, um, uh, the architect is I am pay uh, and the pyramid is outside the Louvre. So he gets that one. Correct.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't talk at all about the the Bible. Category? Yeah. I thought
1: that I thought the Bible category was good. Um, we got some things that are, uh, you know, that we don't see as much in trivia. The first clue um, at the $400 level, according to this, First gospel at the moment of the crucifixion bodies of saints came back to life and walked out of their graves. Um, That's Matthew. It's the first one in the standard sequence of the new Testament that when they clue it that way, it always trips me up because it's important for biblical scholarship to know that Mark was written first Mm -hmm. of the gospels and that Matthew and Luke were based in part on mark we we know like biblical scholars have concluded that the authors of the book's tradition calls matthew and luke we don't know if their authors were actually named matthew and luke had a copy of the gospel according to mark in front of them because um, uh, that text is clearly older and there are passages that are identical verbatim across the three um mm-hmm. anyway so every time they say this first gospel i have to remind myself this is Jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, What's the first say, one the first when you gospel, open up the they book? They mean the first one when you open the book. Yep. Yeah, yeah. and we had some some obscure stuff uh, from I think the twelve hundred dollar level. I think was from the Book of Acts. Uh, it was when Eutychus dies after falling out of a window, listening to a sermon. The speaker, this apostle, brings him back to life. Uh, that's that's Paul. Um, and honestly, I think you had to guess on that one and kind of know which apostles had like significant stories about them Mm -hmm. in the Bible. I mean, if you've, if you've happened to memorize the acts of the apostles, that'll help you out. Uh, But mostly I think it's inference. Judith gets that one.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. So I thought it was a fun category.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. Like you said, a little, little bit off the beaten path Mm -hmm. for, for Bible stuff. Uh, Daily Double number 3 is in the Broadway Musicals category at the $1,600 level. Judith finds it. Uh, it's pick number 22. She is at $6,400, Tyler is at $13,800, and Andre is at $2,100. So Tyler has yet again set a, a, a large lead here. And she wagers $3,200. Uh, she gets the clue in and around the Royal Palace in Bangkok in the 1860s. She gets correct with what is the king and I?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I know that some people don't know anything about Broadway. And if you know it, you know it. And if you don't, you don't. But I felt that these were
1: it's pretty approachable,
0: pre- pretty. They, they were among the, the more likely to be known mm-hmm. settings.
1: Yeah. But- oh, there was a there was a heartbreaking miss at the $2,000 level of this uh, of this category. The clue there was Mushnick's Skid Row Florist's and andre tried what is the little barber shop of horrors and i thought george stephanopoulos gave away too much with his response he said no <laughs> or something like that like it yeah. was very dramatic and then tyler got the rebound with little shop of horrors not little mm-hmm. barber shop but i wondered whether tyler had benefited at all from uh, from George Stephanopoulos giving in no response, which clearly indicated
0: like, that they oh, had
1: had it so close. Yeah,
0: I don't know, but I probably not. But yeah, yeah, I could see that.
1: Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I could, I could see. I mean, if hosts consistently give that kind of response, at some point somebody's going to benefit.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's true.
1: From the added information of like. If they were allowed to say, oh, no, not at all, or like, mm, not quite, you know, like that somebody would be benefiting. And I feel like we were we were not quite there with the response that Andre got, but we weren't too far off. And I suspect that Tyler knew it, but anyway, at the end of the Double Jeopardy round, Tyler is at 17,400. Judith is at 10,800. Andre is down at just 100. And we get the Final Jeopardy! category book characters and the clue. Trying to emulate the title character, he fails and is told, you lack a set of spinnerets and you lack know-how. This was the rare Final Jeopardy! triple stumper. And I think the tricky thing here is that you have to... Know or infer what spinnerets are,
0: yeah, if which I don't, don't know that's something I've known since I was a kid, and
1: yeah, but if you're if you don't have that vocabulary word right, then you're missing something really important, and it's very hard to get from there to a correct response, so Andre doesn't have anything he's responded who is question mark, question mark, question mark. And he's wagered ninety-seven. That drops him down to three dollars. Uh Judith tried. Who is Pancho Villa? I wonder. So, so Pancho Villa is a historical figure, and I've had to really carefully memorize that because I often mis- mix him up with Sancho, Sancho Panza. Panza. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's what she was going for. Yeah. Because. The title character of Don Quixote does lack some things, including know-how, right? He also lacks uh, spinnerets,
0: so I, I, let's be clear about that.
1: <laughs> if only Sancho Panza had explained to Don Quixote <laughs> that right. he was not a spider, <laughs> we'd be okay. Uh, no, um, so yeah, my, my guess is that she's going for Sancho Panza here, uh, rather than Pancho, Pancho Villa. Villa. Anyway, she's wagered everything, 10800 that drops her to zero. And Tyler has tried who is Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist, I think, you know, it's a fair guess. He's, you know, yeah. he's a uh, uh an orphan who lacks lacks know-how. I think that's fair. Sort of at the mercy of uh the people around him to to a decent extent. Um he's wagered six thousand. That drops him to 11,400. And the response we were looking for here is, who is Wilbur? Yes. Uh, so what you needed to do to get to the correct response. First of all, you needed to recall that spinnerets are what spiders use to mm-hmm. produce their silk. And then gather that the title character in question is Charlotte of Charlotte's Web. And then you needed to know that kind of the like the protagonist we see the whole thing through the eyes of wilbur the pig and that's kind of a lot of steps for final jeopardy although we all i think at least have heard of the book charlotte's web
0: yeah probably
1: um yeah so uh so yeah with with three dollars andre lands at second place um and tyler with eleven thousand four hundred is the two-day champion going into friday yep
0: and on Friday, we have the contestants, Josh Sack, a traffic engineer from Boise, Idaho, Lois Dahl, a retired library clerk from Rosemount, Minnesota, and Tyler Vandenberg, a marine officer from Washington, D.C., whose two-day cash winnings total 41400 And we have the Jeopardy! Round categories, World War II in Europe, Literary Subtitles, The Weekly Conference Call, Opposites with O in quotation marks. Grammy winners, and today I learned, and that uh, that opposites category they didn't call it like cl- crossword clues opposites, but they did give you the number of letters for every clue.
1: Yes, yes, they did,
0: which was interesting. Tyler, I think, understandably began in the World War II category, kind of. Mm-hmm. Figured a Marine officer would feel a bit comfortable there.
1: Yes. And he did pretty well in that category. Uh, he got three of them and each of the other contestants got one. I I learned some stuff in the Today I Learned category. I especially liked seeing uh, the $600 level. Um, Which had a picture, uh, and the clue there was, the food and drink shop here was uncovered in 2020, complete with traces of 2,000-year-old food in this city buried by a volcano. Uh, Tyler got that one. That was Pompeii. And uh, the picture was was impressive, I thought. I was surprised by that uh, that fact.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool.
1: There was an an unfortunate miss in literary subtitles at the $600 level. Yeah where they were looking for Walden and Lois rang in and said, what is Walden Pond? Josh got the rebound on that one because they were looking for the title of the work They had to be specific.
0: Mm -hmm. It's just Walden.
1: Just Walden. Daily Double One is at the $800 level of opposites. It's the 12th pick and Tyler finds it. Uh, He's at 3,000 at this point to Lois's 600 and Josh's 800. And he makes it a true daily double, uh, which I think is a great move. And he gets the clue of powerless, 10 letters. Uh, And he takes his time with it, but does come up with the correct response, which is what is omnipotent?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Josh has gone on a little bit of a a run um, and has made it actually into the lead at eight thousand. Uh, Tyler's still in a close second with seventy six hundred. Lois has made it up to twenty four hundred, and we have the double jeopardy categories: science and nature, SEC SEC, which I sort of was hoping would be about the Securities and Exchange Commission, <laughs> but no, it was <laughs> the Southeastern Conference, but yeah, uh, pop culture before and after, six letter the better, high, and on life.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, Every Jeopardy! contestant should become aware of the $2,000 clue in pop culture before and after. It was actually the last clue of the round. Film in which a kid in a Welsh coal mining family, like, totally falls for a 1980s Southern California chick. So the first half, at least, is the part that we should know. This is before and after, so the after part, they're looking for Valley Girl. But the before Mm -hmm. is How Green Was My Valley. Josh rang in with How Green Is My Valley Girl. Uh, But it's was. And that is, of course, Alex Trebek's favorite movie. Alex
1: Trebek's favorite movie.
0: I have a feeling it will come up.
1: It's going to keep coming up. More
0: often now than it did perhaps before.
1: I'm disappointed we haven't seen more muskox questions.
0: (laughs) Of course you are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Muskox was Alex Trebek's favorite animal. And there's this great clip where there was a muskox triple stumper and Alex scowls at all of the contestants and says, once again, you people have forgotten about my favorite animal, the (laughs) muskox. Um... (laughs) As if the contestants all have gotten together.
0: Right. How dare and agreed. you! agreed. I talked to all of you about this beforehand. <laughs> we agreed. Uh, Daily Double number two is in the SEC category at the $1,200 level. It's pick number 22, so it comes pretty late in the round. Josh uncovers it. He's at 8800 Tyler is up at 14000 And Lois is at $5,600. And he wagers 5300 It would get him to $100 more than. Tyler. And he gets a clue. The University of Tennessee is one of two SEC schools from the state. This one, founded by a shipping magnate in 1873, is the other. And he seemed to want to say it before the clue was finished. Uh, That's Vanderbilt.
1: Mm -hmm. And uh, then he hits the next Daily Double on the very next pick, uh, which Emily is out of her seat. I love that. It's my favorite thing. Back-to-back daily doubles are great. It seems like he had a strategy to, like, try and get into the lead, but then not to go too, too big after that. Because uh, at this point, uh, the other two contestant scores are the same. Um, but now Josh is at $14,100, just $100 ahead of Tyler. And he wagers 1900 only. So he's looking to increase his lead up to a $2000 lead or if he misses he'll drop down but still be within one clue mm-hmm. of taking the lead back
0: and also get back on that like even dollar amount
1: yep because come yes, on yes and man. either way he's going to get on the even dollar amount which i <laughs> i like uh so he gets the clue this seven letter adjective describes animals like elephants and gorillas that are mostly active during the day and he knows that one it is diurnal yeah there are diurnal animals uh the opposite of course is the more common word nocturnal um and then one of my favorite words is um for animals that are active uh during the evening hours uh those Mm -hmm. ones are crepuscular
0: yeah
1: it's a fun word that's a perfectly cromulent word Hmm. I like teaching my children really obscure words. I'm sure it makes them really popular.
0: Yeah, uh, that's how I got popular.
1: <laughs> so, that was that was also my secret to uh, being one of the cool kids. It worked yep. great.
0: So at the end of the Jeopardy round, uh, Josh has continued to dominate, especially after that second Daily Double. He just skyrocketed. He's up to 21,600. Tyler is at 12,400 and Lois is at 8,800. The final Jeopardy category is History and the Clue. Completed around 1455, it sometimes gets another name because a famous copy was found in the library of Cardinal Mazarin. Lois got it correct with What is the Gutenberg Bible? and she wagered everything, uh, taking her up to 17,600. Tyler. Wrote, what is Don Quixote? Which, for the time period, I don't think is too far off. I don't know exactly when Don Quixote was written. That is not correct. And he also wagered everything. Mm -hmm. But he drops down to zero. And Josh also missed it with what is Magna Carta. Of course, that's 1215. uh, A couple hundred years off there. But uh, he only wagered 3205. So with 18,395, he is our winner going into next week.
1: That's right. Very impressive game.
0: So this is the midpoint in our show, and we remind you that we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash potables. You can check it out. You can slide us a few bucks, help the help the podcast keep going, maybe even start growing, maybe get get something off my plate, you know, for <laughs> if we could hire, a, hire an audio editor, make it sound a little bit better. Oh, you, know I mean? be... you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Just a wish list there. It sounds there. great, though thanks thanks could,
1: sorry could, <laughs> I, I, I was like oh yeah that would be great and i'm like oh i, I don't mean to critique kyle's audio editing no, no it's
0: fine it's fine Just... could could sound better also could take less work for me so that uh i don't know that's my personal goal if we can get there mm. that would be pretty awesome but there's also some bonus content on there uh it's been a while since we've added more but we promise you that we think we will And that's (laughs) got to be worth something. Of course, if uh, you don't have the financial means to support us, that's okay. You can still support us by writing uh, reviews or ratings. Uh, Those help us out a lot. We very much appreciate them. And if that is not something that you have the bandwidth for, uh, you can and probably should prioritize things that help out your community and our society at large. Again, we point you toward BlackLivesMatter.com, communityjusticeexchange.org, uh, and the GoFundMe Stop Asian Hate database. So, Emily, it's deep yes, dive time. Of. What do you got?
1: Alright. Are we talking about Chopin and or George Sand?
0: Uh, no, we are not. I thought about All that, right. but no.
1: Okay. Uh, what about that clue about Sherlock Holmes and beekeeping?
0: I, I actually, that was my second choice was like, I could go through Sherlock Holmes, but I decided not to.
1: All right. Um, are we talking about Covent Garden?
0: We are not talking about Covent Garden. Ah,
1: uh, I missed it. Missed All right, it. what are
0: we talking about? Uh, there are actually a couple of clues that kind of both pertain to it. There were two different triple stumpers. So one of the uh, clues was from the Wednesday game uh, in the female literary literary protagonist, the $2,000 level. This wife of Theseus had a minor part in Euripides' uh, Hippolytus, but got her own Racine tragedy. That's Phaedra. And I was like, "Ooh, cool. I could talk about like Theseus and Phaedra and and that. And then in the Thursday game, we had the missed daily double about Morpheus being Hypnos' mm. son. And I was like, you know, I have talked, I've mentioned Greek mythology a lot on the podcast and being, you know, something of an interest of mine, but I've never done a deep dive about it. So yeah. this isn't going to be a Greek mythology deep dive because that's, Way too big for a deep dive. That's that's way too broad, yeah. (laughs) For for one week. But to kind of like just put things a little bit in maybe more organization for things you might have heard, I'm going to go through the like origins of the gods, the the Olympian gods, and like some of the main players and names and just a little bit about them to try and like connect them to other things. So it's not just like, I know that that's a mythological name. I've heard that before. That kind of thing. Yeah. Awesome. So here we go. Uh the the main uh ancient Greek pantheon uh are the twelve Olympians, or really thirteen. Um there there are twelve Olympians, and then there is Hades, who is not actually considered an Olympian because he resides in the underworld, not on Mount Olympus, uh mm-hmm. even though he is one of the primary gods. One of the first generation of of Olympians. So Uh, Those are not the only gods. There are as many gods as there were places that people lived and, like, natural phenomena. Because if you, you know, if this isn't something you've heard before or, like, thought about, uh, a lot of the, like, ancient pagan, you know, polytheistic religions were based on the inability to explain natural phenomena, right? So, Mm -hmm. there's lightning, hmm, Well, that there must be a god controlling that. There are earthquakes; there must be a god controlling that. There's an ocean; there must be a god in control of that, right? Uh, all of these things that we didn't have the science to explain, there's a supernatural being controlling it, and that kind of is where these pantheons sort of arose from. Uh, but the stories over time become like codified and 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 spread and kind of agreed upon, uh, and that's how they really became like you know the the foundational mythologies that we have. So the 12 uh, Olympians are Zeus, who is the king of the gods and ruler of Mount Olympus. He is the god of the sky, lightning, thunder, law, order, and justice. Not mentioned here is also probably the god of cheating husbands. Uh, mm-hmm. He is the youngest child of the Titans Cronus and Rhea. Um, his, he is the brother and husband of Hera, as well as the brother of Poseidon, Hades, Demeter, and Hestia, and his symbols include the thunderbolt, the eagle, the oak tree, the bull, scepter, and scales. Hera was the queen of the gods and the goddess of marriage, women, childbirth, and family. She's the youngest daughter of Cronus and Rhea, uh, and sister and wife of Zeus. Uh, <laughs> she was a goddess of marriage, which meant that a lot of her stories were about being a jealous wife, seeking revenge on various, uh, some might say lovers of Zeus, others might say victims uh, and mm-hmm. their children. Uh, her symbols include the peacock, cuckoo, and cow. Poseidon uh, is the god of the seas, water, storms, hurricanes, earthquakes, and horses. Uh, the middle, he's the middle son of Cronus and Rhea, uh, who again are the Titans, the father of, and mother of the Olympians. Uh, brother of Zeus and Hades, um, and is married to the Nereid, which is a water nymph Amphitrite, or Amphitrite, if the E is pronounced. His symbols include the horse, also the bull, dolphin, and trident. Uh, Demeter is the goddess of the harvest, fertility, agriculture, nature, and the seasons. She presides over grains and fertility of the earth. Uh, She's the middle daughter of Cronus and Rhea. She is one of the lovers of Zeus and Poseidon, or you could also say victims, uh, mother of Persephone. Despoina, a Despoina mm. and Arian. Uh, and her symbols include the poppy, wheat, torch, cornucopia, and pig. Uh, I realize I haven't been giving the Roman names also. So Roman mythology is essentially the same thing as Greek mythology, just with different names. So Zeus, the equivalent is Jupiter or Jove. Hera, the equivalent is Juno. Poseidon, the equivalent is Neptune. Demeter, the equivalent is Ceres. Then we have Athena. Goddess of wisdom, handicraft, and warfare. She is the daughter of Zeus. And the uh ocean nymph Metis. She sprung fully fro- formed from her father's head. Her symbols include the owl and the olive tree. Uh, we also have Apollo, who is the only, to my knowledge, the only god who had the same name for both. Um, He is the god of light, the sun, prophecy, philosophy, archery, truth, inspiration, poetry, music, arts, manly beauty, medicine, healing, and plague. (laughs) He had a lot. He had a lot of stuff under his purview. He was the son of Zeus and Leto, and the twin brother of Artemis. His symbols include the sun, the bow and arrow, the lyre, the swan, and the mouse. Uh, Artemis was the goddess of the hunt, the wilderness, virginity, the moon, archery, childbirth, which is weird being a virginity goddess also of childbirth, uh, mm-hmm. protection and plague. She is the do- also the daughter of Zeus and Leto, twin sister of Apollo. Uh, her Roman name is Diana, and her symbols include the moon, horse, deer, hound, she-bear. Be very clear, it's a she-bear. It's not just a bear. It's a she-bear. Uh, snake, cypress tree, and bow and arrow. Ares whose Roman name is Mars, the god of war, violence, bloodshed, and manly virtues. Funny that that goes with it. Son of Zeus and Hera, and pretty much nobody liked him. He uh, He was kind of a pariah. He didn't get along well with anyone, except Aphrodite. Aphrodite sure did like him. His symbols include the boar, serpent, dog, vulture, spear, and shield. Speaking of Aphrodite... Roman name Venus. She is the goddess of love, pleasure, passion, procreation, fertility, beauty, and desire. She is the daughter of Zeus and the Oceanid Dion, or DNA, according to some myths. But the one that the ones that perhaps we I don't. It's hard to say because it's like it's all mythology. It's not like the one that's like more correct or whatever. It's just like the other one that seemed to be a bit older and like a more origin story was that she was born from the sea foam after Uranus's blood and semen dripped into the sea after being castrated by his son, Cronus. So that I'll talk about that story. <laughs> there, there's, there's some stuff there. Anyway, that's the, also the origin of her. Uh, she was married to Hephaestus, who I'll we'll talk about next, um, although she had many adul- adulterous affairs, most notably with Ares. Her name... Of course, gives us the words like aphrodisiac from Aphrodite. Also gave us Venus, gave us the word venereal. Her symbols include the dove, bird, apple, bee, swan, myrtle, and rose. Hephaestus, uh, whose Roman name is Vulcan, is the master blacksmith and craftsman of the gods. He is the god of the forge, craftsmanship, invention, fire, and volcanoes. He was the son of Zeus, either by or son of Hera, either by Zeus or Parthenogenesis which is a natural form of asexual reproduction. Uh, He's married to Aphrodite. His symbols include fire, anvil, axe, donkey, hammer, tongs, and the quail. Next we have Hermes, whose Roman name is Mercury. He is the messenger of the gods, the god of travel, commerce, communication, borders, eloquence, diplomacy, thieves, and games. Also the guide of dead souls. He's the son of Zeus and the nymph Maya, the second youngest Olympian, just older than Dionysus, and his symbols include the caduceus, which is the staff entwined with two snakes, uh, which has now become like a symbol of medicine. Winged sandals and cap, the stork, and the tortoise. Uh, he used a tortoise shell to invent the lyre. Uh, and then there are two more, depending on which kind of pantheon or kind of which kind of like ancient poem you're looking at. Uh, there's Hestia, whose Roman name is Vesta. She's the goddess of the hearth fire, and the right ordering of domesticity and the family. Uh, she was a first-generation Olympian, and therefore one of the original twelve Olympians. She's the first child of Cronus and Rhea. And then there's Dionysus, or Bacchus. He's the god of wine, the grapevine, fertility, festivity, ecstasy, madness, and resurrection. Uh, patron god of the art and of theater. Or of the art of theater. He is the son of Zeus and the mortal Theban princess Semele. Uh, So he is actually more like a demigod, although he became fully Olympian, so he was fully gone. Uh, Married to the Cretan princess Ariadna. Hmm. Um, He was the only Olympian god to have a mortal mother. His symbols include the grapevine, ivy, cup, tiger, panther, leopard, dolphin, goat, and pinecone. The reason that Hestia is sometimes listed as an Olympian and sometimes not is that some i guess more modern stories uh have hestia like giving dionysus her spot uh Mm. in order to like keep the peace with dionysus there are seven male gods and five female gods with hestia there are six and six so i'm not not really sure about that where that comes from um there's some obviously disparity you know it's it's all fiction, so well, you know, <laughs> who, who's to say what's right? Yeah. But that's where that is. Uh, so those are the main gods. Those are the Olympians. And then, of course, there's uh, Hades, who I did not mention uh, yet. Hades is the god of the dead and king of the underworld. He is the eldest son of Cronus and Rhea, and therefore the last one to be regurgitated by his father, which I'll talk about again in a bit. His uh, symbols are the cornucopia, the cypress, the Narcissus, keys, the serpent, the dog, pomegranate, sheep, cattle, the screech owl, horse and chariot. Hmm. Lots of lots of different different symbols. Yeah. Uh also the bident. Sorry, I didn't mention that bident. So so Hades or Pluto is has a Bident, a two pronged fork, whereas uh, Poseidon has a trident a three pronged fork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So those are like the main you know, the the big ones, the main Olympians. There are uh, others, other gods, like the primordial deities, these are the first generation of gods and goddesses. So the, the Olympians are actually like the third generation. Uh, the primordials are more like like pure representations of fundamental forces and physical like foundations of the world. The first ones are like dark and night, light and day, you know, heaven and ocean, that kind of thing. There's Chaos, right? Chaos was the first, and that's the Void. Then came Earth, who is called Gaia. Then there's Tartarus, which is um, the actual underworld. Uranus, the sky. Aurea, the mountains. Pontus, the sea. Erebus, the darkness. Among others, like, it goes on for a bit. <laughs> uh, Gaia is Mother Earth. Chaos mm-hmm. is kind of the 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 void space, you know, things going on. And Uranus being the sky, Uranus and Gaia were the f- parents of the Titans. Uh Uranus, you know, the king of the of the primordials, um as the sky god and Gaia as the earth god, which matches up, I don't, you know, I don't have it off the top of my head, but matches up pretty uh like to other mythologies like Sumerian th- mythology and and other others like ancient mythologies about like a sky god and a, and an earth goddess being the origin of everything. Uh, and from the prim- primordials, we get the titans. They are the uh, offspring of, like I said, Uranus and Gaia. They're Oceanus, Coeus, Creus, Hyperion, Gepetus, Thea, Rhea, Themis, uh mm. <laughs> the goddess of memory, Phoebe, Tethys, and Cronus. Uh, Cronus was the youngest. Each of the Titans' brothers and sisters married each other and had kids and everything. There was a a point called the Titanomachy or Titanomachy, uh, known as the Titan battle. It was a ten-year series of battles, apparently fought in Thessaly, uh, consisting of most of the Titans, most of the Titans fighting against the Olympians. So the the reason this came to pass was because before that. Like I said, the tyranny of Uranus was too much to bear for the Titans, and so Cronus overthrew his father Uranus with the help of his mother Gaia. He, long story short, took a sickle, attacked Uranus, cut off his genitals, and threw them into the sea. In doing, <laughs> yeah, in doing so, he became king of the Titans. Ugh. <laughs> um, and like I mentioned before, it is thought that from that. As soon as he had cast them from the land into the surging sea, they were swept away over the main a long time, and a white foam spread around them from the immortal flesh, and in it there grew a maiden. And that is the idea that that's where Aphrodite uh, came from. So Cronus became king of the Titans, but Uranus made a prophecy that Cronus's own children would rebel against him, just as Cronus had done against his own father. And so Cronus became very uh, paranoid and... As you may have seen in that excellent Goya painting, uh, devoured each of his children after they were born. Mm-hmm. So all of the uh, first generation of Olympians were born to Cronus and Rhea, and af- af- you know after their birth he ate them. Now because it's mythology, he apparently didn't chew or digest them; they were just kind of hanging out and growing. <laughs> so Zeus was the youngest. His mother Rhea. Tricked Cronus by, instead of putting the baby in clothes, putting a rock in clothes. And he ate it and was like, mmm, good baby, I guess. Uh, And so Rhea sent Zeus to Crete to be raised by uh, a mortal woman, Amalthea. Uh, She's the foster mother of Zeus, apparently. Upon reaching adulthood, he masqueraded as Cronus's cupbearer. And once he had been established as the servant of Cronus, another Titan named Metis gave him a mixture of mustard and wine, which would cause Cronus to vomit out all of his swallow children. So he did that. Cronus hucked up all of his kids, and after that, Zeus led them in the Titanomachy, which was, again, like the war against the Titans. They were ultimately successful, and most of the Titans were cast into Tartarus. Particularly with the help of Athena, Apollo, and Artemis, Zeus was uh, able to conquer them. Uh, So Cronus is supposedly thrown into Tartarus, uh, along with most of the others. Uh, Atlas, who had been their leader, uh, was condemned to hold up the Vault of the Sky. And that's why Atlas has all of the, the world and the sky on his shoulder. After that victory, Zeus and Hades and Poseidon divided... The world amongst themselves, Zeus. Some stories say that it was kind of basically gambling, like they kind of like cast lots for it. Um, Others are a bit more noble about it. Basically, Zeus got the sky and the air and was recognized as king of the gods. Poseidon was given the sea and all the waters, and Hades was given the underworld, the realm of the dead. So that's kind of the origin and everything about that. There are a ton of ancient Greek gods and goddesses, like I mentioned, like hundreds Hundreds and Mm -hmm. hundreds. Um, All, like, again, based on, like, different places and different times and different things. You don't need to know most of them. (laughs) Um, And there are a lot of heroes as well. But some of the more, like, better known ones are, like, Heracles, who is also known as Hercules. But that's his Roman name. His um, Greek name is Heracles, which is the glory or pride of Hera. Um, He's a son of Zeus and Alcimene, she was the wife of Amphitryon, but also a lover and or victim of rape uh, of Zeus and thus gave birth to Heracles. And what she did, she named him Heracles to try and avoid Hera's wrath because Mm. she knew what happened. It always happened to the women. Never happened to Zeus. Always happened to the women from Hera. Uh, So she was like, please don't. Please don't. Look. I name him to honor you and all that. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, Heracles, known for basically a couple of things. One, he was like, you know, is he a hero? Was he a god? Whatever. Uh, there's, of course, the uh, Disney movie. But he had the labors, right? His, uh, mm-hmm. his 12 labors. Uh, and also, the other thing is that before that, he had been driven mad by Hera and he killed his wife and children. Ooh. Um. Yeah. Yeah. They don't
1: cover that in the Disney
0: movie. No, no, he doesn't have wife and children in the Disney movie. Nope. Uh, they kind of get the order uh, a little bit mixed up. Yeah, those are two like big things you need to know. And his I'll, his 12 labors are slaying the Nemean lion, slaying the nine-headed Alernian hydra, capturing the golden hind of Artemis. Uh, a, a, a hind um, is a deer. Capturing the Arimanthian boar, cleaning the Aegean stables in a day. Uh, those are the the cattle with poisoned feces, which Aegeus had been given by his father Helios, who was the sun god before he was forgotten. Uh, slay the Stymphalian birds, capture the Cretan bull, steal the mares of Diomedes, capture the girdle of Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons, uh, obtain the cattle of the monster Geryon, who is a grandson of Medusa, steal the golden apples of the Hesperides, who were nymphs, and then capture and bring back Cerberus, or Kerberos. So those were his 12 labors. And uh, yeah, that's Heracles. Uh, There's also Achilles, who was in the Trojan War. He was, of course, invincible because his mother was a nymph who had uh, dipped him in the river Styx as a baby, but she held him by the heel. So he had uh, his one weakness was his heel. And he died when Paris shot an arrow, hit him in the heel, and he died. Uh, The Iliad, of course, says that the arrow was guided by a god to his heel. There's Odysseus, whose Latin name is Ulysses. We know that Odysseus was also in the Trojan War, and the Odyssey comes from his uh, return trip, which goes through a lot of different things. Uh, he meets the Cyclops. He meets the Siren. There are a lot of, lot of things in there. I'm not going to go through the Odyssey, but that's for Odysseus. <clears throat> uh, there's also Oedipus, mythical Greek king of Thebes, He accidentally fulfilled a prophecy that he would end up killing his father and marrying his mother, because he didn't know that it was his father or his mother. When he found out, he uh, stabbed his own eyes out. Just so you know, like people talk about an Oedipus complex, it's like that's like knowingly being, uh, you know, attracted to your mother or something like that. Like he didn't know. Let's cut Mm -hmm. him cut him some slack here. Uh, (laughs) Orpheus was a legendary musician, poet, and prophet. Uh, His story, of course, most. Most notably is that, of course, he was a fantastic musician and could charm animals and and people alike. Uh, He went to retrieve his wife, Eurydice, from the underworld. The story is he went to the underworld to ask Hades to release his wife. Hades said no. He played music. Hades was like, okay, fine, but Mm -hmm. you can't look back. And so he walks out of the underworld, uh, and as he approaches the shore of the River Styx, he is essentially tricked into thinking that Eurydice has stopped following him, and so he looks back, sees her, and then loses her forever. Mm -hmm. Bellerophon. His job was to kill the Chimera, a monster that is depicted with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. And her breath came out in terrible blasts of burning flame. He also uh, captured the winged horse Pegasus, and he attempted to ride Pegasus to Mount Olympus to join the gods, and they didn't like that, so he, he was not a... (laughs) <laughs> he was not f- liked by the gods. But that's that's Bellerophon. Killed the chimera, captured Pegasus. There's Theseus, who uh, went through the labyrinth and slew the Minotaur, with uh, really owing pretty much his entire survival to Ariadna, the daughter of King Minos. She fell in love with him, and he used her, and then he left her. Because Theseus was not a great dude. Uh, he also did some other things. Look into Theseus, but uh, his big thing is the Minotaur. Also, he dealt with Medea, who also figures in the myth of Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason, speaking of Jason, Jason and the Argonauts, uh, their quest was to retrieve the Golden Fleece. They are the Argonauts because their mm-hmm. ship is called the Argo. Mm-hmm. Named after the builder, Argus. There you go. Icarus and Daedalus are were also on the island of Crete, worked for King Minos, Daedalus, created the labyrinth and he uh, also crafted wings for him and Icarus to try and fly away from the island. But of course, Icarus flew too close to the sun and crashed into the ocean and died on their flight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Perseus. Have to mention Perseus. Mm.
1: I don't remember which one that one is.
0: Okay. Perseus slew Medusa.
1: Oh, right. Uh,
0: Perseus's mother. He, he is the son of Zeus and his mother, Denea. Her... oh man. Okay. So she was the ki- the uh, daughter of Acrisius, the king of Argos. Acrisius was upset that he hadn't had a son yet, so he went to the oracle. The oracle warned him that he would one day be killed by his daughter's son, and in order to keep her childless, he put her in a bronze box open to the sky in the courtyard of his palace. Mm. Other stories say that he uh, put her in a enclosed box and put her out to sea. Either way, he, he imprisoned her and, uh, Zeus came to her in the form of a golden shower. And she became pregnant. <laughs> and great. She, okay. had, she had Perseus. So there you go. When Perseus was grown, his story is actually pretty cool. At least the story of Polydectes and his, his mother, like, his mother found a really great guy to, to actually spend her life with, which is great. Um, but anyway, Perseus uh, has to go on a quest uh, to slay the Medusa. So he seeks out the help of uh, Athena, who guides him to the Greia, who are the sister of the Gorgons. It's a long, like, multi-step thing, but eventually he kills Medusa, brings back her head, uh, uses it to turn a few big, bad dudes to stone, and uh, rescues Andromeda. But he has the winged sandals, the mirror shield, uh, the the helm of darkness or invisibility, if you want to, depending on the story. Um, And he slays Medusa. And when he cuts off Medusa's head from the blood that springs from her neck, Pegasus is born. So a winged horse was born from a decapitated Gorgon. Mm -hmm. Because mythology.
1: So there you go. Perfect sense.
0: Yeah. So that's Perseus. Right. Uh, So those those are some of the most notable names of like ancient Greek figures and what they did. Uh, as well as the Olympian gods and and all of that. Ooh, there's so much. And I feel like there's so much I didn't talk about, but I feel like that's a good place to to cut it.
1: Yeah. Uh, That was very helpful. Thank you. These are all like familiar names and then they get very jumbled in my brain. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that that can happen. All right. Yeah. You ready for a quiz?
1: I am as ready as I'm going to be.
0: Okay, so most of these aren't actually really, like, you don't need to know mythology. Actually, you don't really need to know any mythology for these. It's That's not entirely true. Anyway, here we go. Uh, Question one. Most of us may not know or may not have known that Morpheus was the god of dreams, but rather we thought he was a character played by Lawrence Fishburne in The Matrix, who offers Neo the blue pill or the red pill. The red pill idea has been co-opted by right-wing online personas to mean something. But it was actually in the movie a metaphor for the writer slash directors team's embrace of their identities as trans women, who are those writers slash directors?
1: Oh, drat! What's their what are their names?
0: You can just give me the last names if you don't remember the first.
1: I think it's three syllables. Um. Um. It's it's something like Polish sounding, and I keep thinking it's it starts with an O. But uh, I think the the other thing that's coming to me is what it's uh Wachowski. The Wachowski is that right?
0: That That's is right. Like a- Good call. Yes. Nice. Ah,
1: that yes. was that was grueling. Okay. All right. Wow, I got nice it. job.
0: Yes, uh, Lily and Lana Wachowski
1: uh, uh-huh. are
0: the the writer director siblings who are at this point like now they are working on separate projects, but for a lot of their career they work together. Yeah. Nice. You have ten points. Yay. Question two. Uh, two terms referring to Olympian gods, emerged in European philosophy during the last few centuries, particularly in the works of Nietzsche. They represent the opposites of order and chaos, logic and feeling, prudence and instinct. For five points each, name those two terms.
1: Oh, no. Um, Terms referring to the Olympians? I'm like, Nietzsche, like... God is dead. That's my Pavlov. <laughs> that's that's what I've got. Um, that's fair. Uh, okay. Working past God is dead Pavlov. Um, Ubermensch is coming to mind. That's not one of them, is it? It's
0: um,
1: not. Ah, uh, darn it. And I'm, I'm not sure I know these terms. Um, the only other, like, term I have associated in my head with Nietzsche is Zarathustra, so I'm gonna say that one, and then we're gonna leave this
0: question behind us. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This is Apollonian and Dionysian.
1: (laughs) Oh, 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 okay. Alright.
0: Fair enough. You don't associate them with Nietzsche, I guess, but... um, Yeah,
1: gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I thought I was trying to come up with, like, Nietzsche's, like, like, you know, like, German words that he'd used... No, with. okay, got uh, it. Other
0: other people have used these terms plenty. Uh, they and they they had been used before Nietzsche, but he kind of like worked them into some of his works, and they kind of gained more uh, right. use from there. Uh, gotcha. Okay. okay. Question three: The dwarf planet Pluto has five moons. You heard me right, five <laughs> moons. For two points each, name them. Here are some clues. The biggest is named for the Greek ferryman that brings the dead souls to the underworld, if they can pay. Another one is named after the goddess of the night, not the goddess of cancelling. One is named for the river that separates the underworld from the overworld, but I don't know if there's any wind to sail away on. One is named for the lovable pooch that guards the underworld. And one is named for a mythical beast or an organization that keeps popping up in the MCU.
1: All right. Uh... I think charon is one That's of them one. is that right all right the river is the river styx is that the one it
0: is styx yes
1: yay okay and and cerberus
0: i will give it to you it's actually it's technically kerberos uh the right. moon is because there is an asteroid already named cerberus but okay really it should like The Greek would pronunciation would be Careburos, so.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But yeah, we call it Cerberus. Yep.
1: All right. Mythical beast. MCU organization. Uh, is it Hydra? Is it
0: Hydra? It is Hydra. One more.
1: Uh, the goddess of night. Not canceling.
0: This one's probably the hardest one.
1: Yeah. I'm sure it's a very clever clue, but I'm not. I'm not making the connection. All right, I give up on that one.
0: Okay, I thought about making a Fleetwood Mac reference instead, but it's Nix.
1: Oh, Nyx okay. Is the
0: goddess of night. But you got four. That was good.
1: That's not bad. Yeah. All right.
0: All right. Yeah. So they they are Charon, which is uh, so large that really Pluto and Charon kind of orbit each other. Uh, And then Styx, Kerberos, Hydra, and Nyx have been discovered much more recently and um, ratified, I guess, as moons. Like, officially designated. Uh, Okay, you're at 18 points. Question four. The Birth of Venus is among the most famous paintings in European history. Uh, It shows the goddess of love and beauty arriving on land on the island of Cyprus, born of the sea spray and blown there by the wind, Zephyr, and perhaps Aura. The goddess is standing on a giant scallop shell. As pure and perfect as a pearl. For five points each, tell me who painted this famous painting, and what gallery does it reside in?
1: Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. I think it's Botticelli.
0: It is Botticelli.
1: Yay. And... I don't think I know what city it's in. I think it's somewhere in Italy... Um. Yeah. Mm, maybe it's in the Vatican. We'll go with that. I can't even think of a good uh, guess for a gallery. Okay.
0: Uh, it is not the Vatican. It is in the Uffizi Gallery in Florence.
1: Oh, oh, yes. That's one of the names that I should at least have been able to think of to consider, but I couldn't. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's okay. There we go. All right. Uh, All right. You're at 23 points. 23. Question five. Much of the ancient Greek influence on ancient Rome is ascribed to Aeneas, who may or may not have even been real. Uh, Virgil describes him as an ancestor of Romulus and Remus, and he is related to King Priam of Troy. On his journey from Troy to the Italian peninsula, he encountered and courted what queen of Carthage, who was also probably not real. This romance spawned the most boring opera ever made.
1: Um... Hmm. When I think Queen of Carthage, the name Dido comes to mind, so I'm going to go with that.
0: That's good, because it is Dido. Yay! Who, historically, there's not really evidence that she was real. <laughs> uh, but who knows? The story of Dido and Aeneas is yeah. there, and if you ever have to sit through Purcell's Dido and Aeneas, I'm so sorry. Is so, all right so boring and stupid uh i was okay. like i don't
1: <clears throat> know of an opera named dido and then i was like well kyle says it's boring so maybe i wouldn't have heard of it
0: <laughs> it's it's pretty commonly done it's like referred to and man i don't know it was my first it was the first thing i would heard from henry Purcell, and i was like oh this guy sucks at writing music So every, (laughs) but he's like one of the like big composers from that time period, and every time I don't know, I need to get that out of my head. Anyway, you have thirty three points, all right. And we, we are going into the final with the category classical music standards.
1: All right, let's wager all of it.
0: Okay. Uh, speaking of opera, classical myths have long served as source material for operas. Some sources say that the first was Orfeo by Cla- Claudio Monteverdi. That same myth was the basis for uh, Jacques Offenbach's Orpheus in the Underworld, which is now best known for what specific and sometimes scandalous, I'll add, high-kicking musical piece. Surprisingly, it was not originally staged in a cabaret.
1: All right, so... Uh... Your, your addition there confirms the direction I was heading, and okay. I was like, mm, maybe that's not specific enough. Um, is it the can can?
0: It is the can can. It Yay. is the can can. Yes, that is that is from an opera. <laughs> if you can believe it.
1: Oh goodness, that is that is fascinating. I had no idea.
0: Yeah, uh, the rest of that opera is fine. But that's that's the piece that really you know bah, 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 that whole thing, yep. That's that's huh. from Offenbach's Orpheus in the Underworld.
1: Wow, which I, which
0: I still can't put together in my brain. Like, how is that the story of Orpheus, and then you have like mm-hmm. the Moulin Rouge, you know, high kickers or whatever? So there you go. Well, you got yeah. it. You got there. That's sixty six points.
1: It. Well, that was that was a very fun quiz. Um, it absolutely did require knowledge of mythology, <laughs> but that's that that's fine. Uh, no, that was this was very fun, and the deep dive was very helpful. I'm going to be actually re-listening to it uh, later this week again to kind of try and try and firm up some of this uh, newly newly sorted out knowledge. Um, so, thanks, Kyle, for uh, for the deep dive and the quiz, and thanks for making a podcast with me. Of course. And thank you, listeners, for spending your time with us. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or review if you'd be so kind. If you want to check out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash potentpotables. And if you have friends who watch Jeopardy, let them know about our podcast.
0: That's right. You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables, on Twitter at Potent Potables 1. Our email address is potentpotablescast at gmail.com. And our website is potentpod.com.
1: We'll be back with you next week with another week of Jeopardy. And until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker.